Welcome. You're listening to the Heritage Podcast. To learn more about Heritage, including meeting times and upcoming events, visit us online at www.heritageff.org. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Get ready, take some notes. And what I, you know, I spoke with Pastor and he said, just continue whatever the Lord leads you and in your gifting, continue with what he's been teaching for, he'll be teaching it all year and that is great change and great exchange where the promises of God are concerned that right now this is that focus. So tonight I want to do some elaboration on the promises of God and break it down for you a little bit. That's what I do. That's my gifting is to break it down. So I believe that there'll be some things that you'll remember that'll just settle in tonight and cement in, so to speak, drop into your spirit that at the needed time you'd remember. Because I know that's how it works. See, that's how it works when we grow. We're all growing. We're all learning. We're all moving forward. So in the name of Jesus, it's a, it's a beautiful thing to be able to open the word of God. So let's, uh, why don't you go in your Bibles over to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And I'm going to give you a couple of statements here. And then we're going to read out of the King James Bible. And pastor's been using this verse and I want to, reuse it and state it to you in some other translations and talk about it a little bit. Second Corinthians 1, and we'll start at uh, verse 18, but before that, let me give you the definition that I want to use tonight as uh, of the word promise, where, in other words, Strong's Concordance gives us this definition. Then I'm going to give you Webster's. The word promise means an announcement. So whenever we read in the Bible of the promises of God, and how many did pastors say there are? Over seven, well, 7,000. And they're broken up, they're mentioned and re-mentioned. So there's an announcements throughout the Bible that we need to hearken to. They give us information. They're pledges from God. And usually they're a divine assurance of good. A divine assurance of good. It'd be nice to wake up every morning and recall a promise of God to give you a divine assurance of good for that day. That's how we need to start our day. Not wake up thinking, oh my God, I got to go to work, or oh my God, I, I got up on the wrong side of the bed or you rolled off during the night and rolled down the stairs and out into the street. And, oh, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> that would be a bad day. Marissa, Marissa gets me right here. That would be a lot of rolling. Okay. But to hear sometimes brothers and sisters talk, they act like that happens. But it doesn't. We have to learn to discipline ourselves. Webster says a promise is a declaration that one will do a declaration that one will do or refrain from doing something specified. So God can promise us all the things he's going to do and he can promise us things he's not going to do. Like I will never leave you or forsake you. He promised that's a, that's a thing he's not going to do is leave us or forsake us and that's a promise. I brought that verse up to you back at the beginning of the month when I taught on a Wednesday night because that, that is a bold exchange that when we're weak and we think, we can't do it. He says, 
I've made it. I've done it. You may boldly say, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So you can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. So he promises he'd never leave us or forsake us. And that is a divine exchange. He gave, us, he gave us that means of exchange. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you so that we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. See, that's the exchange there. So don't go around saying, because I've heard people say, God, where are you? God, if you're there. <laughs> he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So which one is it? Which one, you know? We've got to decide on what we're going to decide on. Amen? So prom- the promises are just like that. 2 Corinthians 1, 18 through 20 in King James. But as God is true, our word toward you was not yea and nay. Now this is Paul and, and them talking. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, even by me and Silvanus and Timotheus, was not yea and nay. In other words, you heard it just in one way. You heard it unadulterated. He says, but in him it was yea. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him amen unto the glory of God by us. Now we say we want the promises of God. We want to live, how many want to live in the promises of God? I do. I want the promises of God every day. But what I I want to show you a little something tonight. Brent, you're going to like this because it's almost like an illustration. But I got something to show you. Go ahead, Jessica. I feel really cool. <laughs> does, does this look familiar to anybody? Okay, how many never saw one of these before? Okay. Yeah, my granddaughter is 16. Yeah, they're like antiques now. So I know my grandma had one of these. But you, they were about, they're about that big. And you can get them on Amazon. I looked up today. And every day you go in there and you pull out a little card and you read a promise from God. And then you put the card back in. And then you go in the next day and you pick out a promise of God. Now, in and of itself, that's not a bad thing. Okay. Somebody made a good amount of money with this little Our Daily Bread promise box. But that's where it would end. Because it just got to be like a little habit, a little ritual. And then you didn't know what to do when you picked the same one two days in a row. It's like, well, God, what are you trying to tell me, you know? I just thought this was funny because sometimes people think of the promises of God and it's limited to that. That is so far. So far. Okay, be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wow. Thank you, God. Take your vitamins, get your coffee, and you go on your way. And that's it. But all day you should be saying, Father, I thank you. I'm of good courage. My heart is strong. When you pray over your food, when you see your husband, your kids, be of good courage. You're strong. Your heart is strong. And it becomes a part of you. It's, you say it with a boldness. You say it with spirit behind it. It's not just a little something you pluck out. And then one day you get one and it doesn't make sense that day. So God, <laughs> it's not like, see, because, you know, if you think about it, this is like a scratcher. I've never done one, but I've seen people do them. You pull one out and you're playing the odds that you're going to get the one you need that day. I mean, I'm not trying to demean this little idea. Because if if that's all you can do, then please go for it. Now, this one looks like those cards are are pretty used. So thank God for that part, okay? (laughs) But yeah, I remember my grandma had one on her kitchen counter there. 
You guys are probably all going to go get it. <laughs> so there's no double meaning when it comes to the promises of God. It's yes and amen. Yes and amen. Sometimes in our menial human thinking, it can seem too good to be true. Because when you, you read it, it can seem to be that way. But here's what happens is that we go to live it, and that's where the challenge comes in. We go to live out the promise of healing, of redemption, and salvation, and protection, and we start seeing it's not without premise. That's also something I mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago, or on a tithe, I don't know. But you have to have and understand the premises before you experience the promises. To the, to the degree that God asked for you. When he says, I'm going to go back to this now. When he says, that's sort of day, Lord, thank you. When he says, be of, when he says, be of good courage, are you? Or is, is the enemy gotten into your head so much and he's trying to talk you out of what God has for you? I like the message translation of this verse. Are you not going to accuse me of being flip with my promises? Because it didn't work out? Do you think I talk about out of both sides of my mouth? A glib yes one moment, a glib no the next? Well, you're wrong. I try to be as true to my word as God is to his. Now, I'll give you a little example. Uh, Someone that was in our church, they're not here anymore, saw him one Sunday morning. Hey, brother, how's it going? Well, I'm supernatural, just like you. They sound like they were quoting Pastor you know. I'm supernatural, just like you. And then, fast forward about 20 minutes, we were all working, doing some setup. I'm like, oh, where's that thing? He goes, well, I don't know. I must have had a brain freeze. I can't find it. I'm like, oh, so either you're supernatural, or then maybe it's good your brain is frozen to let you be supernatural. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, this, you know, you wouldn't know it most of the time by looking at me, because I try to be cool, but this is how I think. <laughs> but I'm letting you in on the sarcasm that goes on in my head. <laughs> but this is, I'm quoting exact. You know, this is a brother. It could have been a sister too, but it, it was this man. He's my age in his 60s, just, you know. So which is it? Is it yes one time and no the other? Is it yeah. the word and then not the word? Is, you know, is it the promise and then not the promise? <laughs> You know, okay. So, I try to be as true to my word as God is to his. Our word to you wasn't a careless yes canceled by an indifferent no. How could it be? When Silas and Timothy and I proclaimed the Son of God among you, did you pick up, any, pick up on any yes and no, on again, off again, waffling? Message breaks it down. Or wasn't it a clean, strong yes? Whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. Whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. In him, this is what we preach and pray. The great amen. God's yes and our yes together, gloriously evident. God affirms us, making us a sure thing in Christ. Putting his yes within us. He put his yes within us. Now, the yes is the amen, and the amen is the so be it. May it come to pass, or I declare it comes to pass. That's what an amen is. That's why 
kind of got to watch what you amen there. Not kind of, you should watch what you amen. So if that yes and amen is in us, then God's put it there already. He's, we're, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but he's given us what it takes to experience the promises already. So they're not far-fetched. It's not like, you know, when the little kids ask, you know, hey, Daddy, I want to go to Disneyland. Can you take me to Disneyland? Yes, promise? Yes. But the dad doesn't say when. <laughs> you know, he's got the out right there. That's not the way God is with us. <laughs> God, I want to be prosperous. You want me prosperous? Yes. When? <laughs> now. Everything is now about the promises. Uh-huh. He has no out. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's a settled deal. Whatever God has promised, okay, I already read that. God affirms us, making us a sure thing in Christ, putting this yes within us by his spirit. He has stamped us with his eternal pledge, a sure beginning of what he is destined to complete. It's a sure beginning of what he's destined to complete. The Amplified Bible says, but as surely as God is faithful and means what he says, our message to you is not yes and no at the same time. Yes, but, that's what that means. Yes, but. Do you believe? Yes, but. God is your healer. Yes, but. God is your provider. Yes, but. We've got to kick that but out of our vocabulary. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Sylvanus and Timothy, was not yes and no, but has proved to be yes in him, true and faithful, the divine yes affirming God's promises. For as many as are the promises of God, how many? In Christ they are all answered. You've got to go home and read that for yourself. That's the Amplified Bible on that verse. Let me read it again. For as many as are the promises of God, in Christ they are all answered yes. So through him we say our amen to the glory of God. Let me read you from this translation that I picked up at the end here before we came to church. This is um, Arthur S. Way, the letters of St. Paul to the seven churches and three friends with the letter to the Hebrews. <laughs> It's really good. In that context of uh, 2 Corinthians, I'm going to start. It doesn't give you the verse. I'm just going to start right here. By all the faithfulness of God, I swear it. My utterances to you never waver between yes and no. Just as in the proclamation in your midst of God's son Jesus as the Messiah by myself, by Silvanus and Timotheus, There was never any wavering between affirmation and negation. No. By the inspiration of God, it was ever one consistent affirmative. Always, yes. Consistently, yes. You know, God doesn't answer maybe. He doesn't need to. He's already, he wouldn't have promised it if it wasn't his will. Excuse me. So he, when God says, you know, when people say, well, I prayed and God said maybe, well, they, they weren't praying right. They had no word to stand on. They were, they weren't, it was a prayer amiss. People like that amiss a lot of life. <laughs> they, they do, because if it's not in the word, it's not worth having. But we've, we're untapped in many areas of what the word has for us. 
The same is true of all the promises of God. They are affirmed by his I will. See, his will and his promises are one. And Pastor said in Psalm 91, remember he talked about the feathers, that they're the promises? Representing the protection, that's his will. So he, they are affirmed by his will, by his I will. And they are sealed by his amen. They're affirmed by his I will. Do you remember when the blind man came to Jesus and he he didn't say, could you heal me? He said, would you heal me? And Jesus said, I will. And they are sealed by his amen. And so God is glorified through our faith in his promises. This is things Pastor I was teaching on Sunday. It's affirmed by our faith in his promises. Do I believe that? Okay, let's say you're having trouble in an area. This is Wednesday. Bible study, you're all serious. We all want to grow. Let's just say I struggle in an area. You struggle in an area. I want to grow in that area. It bothers me that I'm not more developed in that area. Well, I go to God about it. And I, I converse with him and ask him for his will in that area. And let's just say, um, let's say I want to lose weight. I don't know. That's common for people. And I have trouble because, I mean, I could just live on dessert. Now, this is not really me. I'd rather have food. But let's just say I'm having that issue where I could just live off dessert. And I know, and God says, I want you healthy. I want to receive that promise, but I have trouble with desserts and sweets and I'm, you know, I'm undisciplined in that area. It's, it's, I'm not putting anybody down because everybody goes through stuff, okay? Um, it, it could be too much TV. It could be too much soda. It could be too little water. I mean, you know, it's, it, it's, all, it's all relevant to all of us, okay? So I ask God, what do I do? And he gives me wisdom. And he might say, don't have anything after 12. Eat all your dessert before 12, <laughs> I mean, it sounds silly, but that could be where you start your discipline. And if you could just stick to that. And you might freak out on sugar from when you get up till 12 o'clock, but you're going to stop right there, and and you've achieved something. And you you do that for so long, and then you're going to back it up to 11. That that might be the wisdom he gave you. It's, It's kind of pragmatic, you know, with Super Bowl coming up, you don't always go for the pass, you rush some yards, you know, a little at a time, a little at a time. First down, a little more, a little more, first down. You know, it just depends. And that's the way we have to treat it sometimes yeah, to get yeah. disciplined. Yeah. So then you're at 10. You're only eating sweets up until 10. And you're like, wow, okay, I got this, I got this. And then 9. And then before you know it, you're like, wow, I haven't had a sweet in two, three weeks. I mean, that might be unheard of, but. <laughs> <laughs> I was just telling Joanne on text last night. I go, oh, I'm having a street qua- sweet craving. And somebody had made her a key lime cheesecake. And I'm, I almost wanted to drive from Corona to Fullerton just to taste it. <laughs> but you see, you see what I'm saying. You get the point of, of what I'm trying to help you with here. You know, sometimes we think of promises and we think of how people promise or how we're promised certain things in life, like we, we think we are from our family. And um, I have little granddaughters and you know, something will come up and they'll be like pinky promise or pinky swear and then they hold pinkies. Like, this is not what God does to us. He's not like... 
It's profound, the promises of God. They're deep. They're expansive, what he has for us. So we have to get out of that human mentality and get away from what we've experienced as far as promises go. Because you may have been promised some things in life and people let you down. And you have trouble believing. Don't put God in that category. He will never break his promise. And every promise he's given us, somehow, some way, will cover, remember like the feathers? That's just not protection. It means it covers every aspect of life. There's coverings of promise for every aspect of life, spirit, soul, body, every aspect. And you've got to trust him and forget what happened over here. We've all had promises broken to us. We've all had people say, I'm your covenant brother, I'm your covenant sister, and then they're gone. And, you know, or even, you know, just marriage covenant, people just take it lightly and, and make silly of it. And, you know, the commitment, I joined my church, I went through membership, and then all of a sudden something happens, and I don't think I'm going back, and then, you're, you're like looking for them, and you send them a text, and they won't even respond. <laughs> See, that's how man lives, but that's not the way God is. That's not how God is. We can, we never, you know, people say, well, I, I prayed and prayed, I didn't hear from God. Well, what were you praying? How were you praying? What was the premise of your prayer? What was the basis? There's something that we need to understand when it comes to the promises of God, and that's God's integrity and the integrity of the word. The integrity of the word is the premise on which he makes the promise and carries it out. Go to Titus, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and King James says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, now listen to this, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. I've said this before, but listen, it's not, it would have been good if God, it said God who wouldn't lie. That he promised it. God cannot lie. I can't say that about myself. I can't say, Sue Perez, who cannot lie. Oh, no, I can. I can. You can. I don't. I do my best never to lie, but I can. I'm not the one promising you, thank God. (laughs) Thank him, (laughs) who cannot lie. He cannot lie. If he were to lie, this whole thing would fall apart. In fact, I've said it before, if there's just for one second, if God quit being who who he is, this whole existence would just blow up for one second. We have bad days. We have bad hours, you know, right. so to speak, yep. or a down day or a day you just think, oh, I just feel like napping all day. I'm going to go to nap after I get up. <laughs> I'm going to take a nap before I go to bed. You know, one of those days. <laughs> Jasper, that was a loud amen, Jasper. <laughs> but we're, you know, we go through that, and we get back up, and we keep going. Yeah. But God, never, no, not for one second. Right. Never, ever, for one second is he not God. And therefore, he can say, or the word can say, God who cannot lie. 
promise before the world began. That's integrity right there. And that's the same premise that he makes and carries out his promises to us. And then it goes on to say, uh, we can read the rest of that later. The message translation of that verse, I, Paul, am God's slave and Christ's agent for promoting the faith among God's chosen people, getting out the accurate word on God and how to respond rightly to it. My aim is to raise hopes by pointing the way to life without end. This is the life God promised long ago, and he doesn't break his promises. And then when the time was ripe, it goes on, he went public with his truth. I've been entrusted to proclaim this message by order of our Savior, God himself. Then it goes on. You can read some other things. But listen, go over to Hebrews 6 real quick. I, don't, I didn't put that in my original notes, but I was reading it before we came, and I want to read it to you. Hebrews 6. And it's, let's look at verse 13. And let's see. For when God... Eric, can you give me uh, this verse in the message? I don't have that on me. Hebrews 6, 13. For when God made promise to Abraham... In fact, in my Bible, this whole little section is called the promise of God. If you have a page like Brent says, 1117. That's what. <laughs> For when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself. We, we go to court and they well, swear on the Bible. Put your right hand on the Bible. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? And they, they think because you put your hand on the Bible, that means you're going to tell the truth. Because, <laughs> you know, the Bible's holy. This sign, it could probably like float around by itself and do all kinds of stuff. <laughs> all right. So, let's see where they go. That's why I like to have them in here. Let me read it only out of the message. That way, I'll, I'll come back to the King James. But when God made his promise to Abraham, he backed it to the hilt. This is an example of, of uh, Abraham receiving his promise putting his own reputation on the line. Have you ever heard Pastor Art say, I, I'm praying for you and God's going to heal you or I'll throw away my Bible. I've heard him say those things. Do you remember when he shares about the account about the young girl that he ministered to? She had, was uh, possessed by a devil and she would cut herself and he told her, your skin's going to come back clear, you're going to be all cleared up, cleaned up, free, or I'll throw away my Bible. And, you know, Okay, that's what this means right here. He backed it to the hilt, putting his own reputation on the line. He said, I promise that I'll bless you with everything I have. Bless and bless and bless. Abraham stuck it out and got everything. Now listen to this key. He stuck it out and got everything that had been promised to him. He stuck it out. He stuck it out. He didn't put God on a stopwatch or on a timer or on a calendar. He stuck it out and got everything that had been promised to him. When people make promises, they guarantee them by appeal to some authority above them, like in the court. They make a promise. Uh, I promise. Uh, what do people promise on? I don't know. They say stuff. I don't know. None of them come to me right now, but on a higher authority, you know. 
Huh? I, yeah, they say, I swear to God. Thanks, Carrie. <laughs> well, that's, that's probably what I was thinking of. It wasn't coming to me. I'm so in the flow, you know. But yeah, pe- why do people say that? Because they need a higher authority. So what does God say? I swear to me? Abraham stuck it out and got everything that had been promised to him. When people make promises, they guarantee them by, by appeal to some authority above them so that if, that, if, if, so that if there is any question that they'll make good on the promise, the authority will back them up. Yeah. Do you hear that? If there's any question that they'll make good on the promise, the authority will back them up. In the name of Jesus, my authority, receive healing. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. When God wanted to guarantee his promises, he gave his word. A rock-solid guarantee. God can't break his word. And because his word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. We who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let it go. Never let it go. Have you ever watched tug of war in a park or a family picnic or something? It's fun, huh? Especially for the ones that lose and they end up in the mud hole. Those guys, they're holding on. We had a, a woman one one time at our family reunion. They wanted all the women in there. I'm like, I ain't going in there. <laughs> Those, I mean, they, you know, they have a person who's able to anchor the end, and they put the rope, and you know, they just they won't let go. And they're, I mean, they're exerting every strength they have. And I like watching them. But anyway, I think of that, the promised hope with both hands and never let it go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline. Reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God where Jesus, running on ahead of us, has taken up his permanent post as high priest for us in the order of Melchizedek. You got to read that back in the King James too. I like when it says that uh, God was willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel. Immutability of his counsel. It can't be changed. Nothing of God, it's all, he's always God. He won't change. Everything in him, his promises are yes and amen. James 1.7. This, this is a little more of a picture of God who made these promise to, promises to us, what he looks like. James 1.17 in the King James says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. I like the message translation of that phrase. It says, there's nothing deceitful in God, nothing two-faced, nothing fickle. Nothing two-faced and nothing fickle. He brought us to life using the true word, showing us off as the crown of all his creatures. And with that being said, Hebrews 10.23 says this, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Let us seize and hold tightly the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is reliable and trustworthy and faithful to his word. 
Now, I'm going to finish up in about two, three minutes here, but let me just pick out of Second uh, Peter 1, 3 through 4. You can go back and study them on your own. King James says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. It's a statement, a fact. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Period. That, these, that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And the message translation says it this way. Everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally and intimately the one who invited us to God. So everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been given to us when we get to know him personally and intimately, the one who invited us to God, the best invitation we ever received. This is an invitation to live in the promises of God. We were also given absolutely terrific promises to pass on. Your tickets to participation in the life of God. Promises are your ticket to participation in the life of God. God doesn't give us promises. It's, you know, sometimes I hear it, I've observed it. Promises aren't to make life, quote unquote, easy. Promises are so that we can participate and not feel unqualified or not think we don't meet up or not think we're equipped. The promises equip us. They're our ticket to participation. We don't have to go through qualifying levels. We're already in the finale. We're already there. We don't have to work toward it. The, the promise is what puts us in that posture, in that mode, in that place. I like watching uh, The Voice, Dancing with the Stars, and all those shows. And they go on and on, you know, battle rounds, and you know, this round and that round, depending what it is. And finally at the end, the finale, and it's supposed to be the best ones, you know. But they, you know, they, sometimes a mistake knocked them out. Sometimes just like in Dancing with the Stars, it's just a certain dance they couldn't get, and they're disqualified. And, you know, it just happens. But we're not talking about anything like that. Yeah. We're talking about the promises of God. They've qualified us. They are our ticket. They're already, already given, already given, yeah. already provided, and they are our ticket to participation in the life of God, the life of God that he destined for us. Yeah. Like Brent here, he doesn't have to think about that he's not his dad. He's a, a minister of his own, on his own. Not independent, not, you know, I do my own thing, but his own gifting. Yeah. You are who you are. You are in the world or the industry and the career that you're in. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't see Jasper at work, so I don't know how good he is. I know he's been there a long time, and even through what he's been through, they've kept him. Have they promoted you or given you any raises since you've been back to work? See? So, it's because it's Jasper is, is, it's what he does. It's his, it's his talent on, on show. Now, if I went there, I don't, they probably wouldn't let me in. It's secure. 
What I, you know what I experience? I do income tax. That's one of the things I do. But people come in, and they never, ever owe. I could look at all their years back. They never owe. And every year, they come in literally shaking, like nervous, because the IRS. You know why? They lack the knowledge. They lack the understanding of, of taxes and the IRS is not the government. The IRS is easier to work with than the, than the Franchise Tax Board. But why do they come in like that? And they never owe. Listen to me. They never owe. So they think something could have happened in the cosmic of taxes that this year they're going to owe $50,000. <laughs> I mean, I like. So you know what I do is I don't talk to them about taxes when they come in. I just do their taxes, and I talk to them about other stuff. And by the, the end of the day, not the end of the day, at the end of the session, I go, okay, your refund this year. And then, then they like, yep. and it seems silly, but it's real. And that happens to people when they're not understanding yeah. that they've been qualified. <laughs> they've been given a promise. We, we think... You know, people have fear like they're going to miss the rapture. People are fearful. They're backslidden. They have a backslider mentality like, you know, that you don't have to get saved every week. You got to trust. You got to trust. You're, you know, none of us are perfect. Yeah. I mean, I got saved a few times when I first started. I did because I didn't know. Right. And if I just felt an inkling of guilt, I went to the, up to the altar. Yeah. I didn't know. As I began to grow and understand... No, this can't be taken from me. I'm not turning my back on it. It can't be taken. I've got promises. Yeah. Yeah. And this is where it, what, what God has for us. He's done it already. It's already in place. I don't want to go into it, but, you know, read over in, um, let's see what I do with those. You know, read passages about, like, Acts 2, Galatians 3, where the Holy Ghost was promised and how he was promised and how he was given. Read how God, what God promised Abraham and how it came to pass. Read all the, the principles in there. How Abraham, although he saw Sarah, although he saw himself, he staggered not. How do you not stagger? I mean, it's like, for all intents and purposes, it's like telling me and Ed we're going to have a baby. You know? How do we not stagger? I mean, we, you know, we're in our middle 60s, and you're just not going to happen. But the Bible says Abraham was fully persuaded. Yes. And if you look up that word fully, it means spirit, soul, and body. Come on now. So every part of him, all three aspects of his being were persuaded that he was going to be the father of nations. And that's what had been promised. And then he had to trust. He had to trust. And it came to pass. So read about that. Read in Ephesians 6. In, uh, it's a good example how a premise is tied to a promise because the Bible tells us, honor your parents, your father and mother. It's the first commandment with promise attached to it. It's a promise attached to the premise. Honor your mother and father. The promise is you'll live well on the earth. Honor. So see, it's all tied in. And sometimes we just want to experience you know, the good, the good, what we call the good stuff. 
I like the grow stuff. Because growth is good. Maturity is good. Right. All these things, uh, these aspects. We're going to close down here. But um, I trust I helped you. And if not, I helped me studying <laughs> and preparing. But, um, amen. We've got a couple little things to do. If you were encouraged by today's message and believe it would be uplifting to others, then be sure to rate us and hit subscribe. To experience more of Heritage, visit us at www.heritageff.org. Again, thank you for listening to the Heritage Podcast today. And remember, Jesus is Lord.